In the name of God who creates, redeems, and sanctifies. Amen. Some of you will remember, perhaps more keenly than others, that in 1956, Charlton Heston, Yul Brynner, and Ann Baxter brought us motion picture gold in the Ten Commandments. Charlton Heston was born to play a serious, strong, conflicted, but faithful Moses, who discovers that he is not an Egyptian prince after all, but the servant that God has chosen to free the Israelites from Pharaoh, to lead them through the wilderness all the way to the promised land. If you've never seen it, you really are missing out on acting gold, on bright colors and fanciful sets, on some actually pretty decent effects, honestly, for the 1950s, and um, the colorful telling of an ancient story that belongs to us and to many other people all over the world. In one of my favorite scenes, Moses approaches the throne of Pharaoh for the first time to say those famous words, let my people go. And Yul Brynner, with his huge golden necklace and his big sort of blue and gold, almost eagle-like winged robe, has this huge crown on and he's Pharaoh and he sits there and he looks very coolly at Moses and he says, the slaves are mine, their lives are mine, their possessions are mine. I do not know your God and I will not let them go. And Moses says sort of very upset and very firmly, who are you to make their lives bitter in hard bondage? Men shall be ruled by law, not by the will of other men. Men shall be ruled by law, not by the will of other men. I think a lot of people describe religion as a set of rules, a set of practices, a code, often even a law by which to live. And many, I think, would say that religion and religious law weighs heavy, that there are penalties and consequences to not following the law. This was the expectation of the people of Israel to be ruled by the law. And it's the expectation of much of the world since then. We think about the secular world in which we live, the law gives structure to our lives and there are penalties if we step out of bounds. The law we find in Hebrew scripture is not identical, but the idea is similar. God gave the law to Israel in love to structure their lives, to inspire love and to build a loving community. And because we're human, that's not quite what happened. So there were penalties when Israel sort of stepped out of the box. Sometimes some really terrible consequences, actually. Loss of life, loss of property, loss of family and country, loss of temple, loss of identity. And so over time, the law became something to be feared, a weight, something forced and heavy. And by the time Jesus arrives on the scene, he experiences the law not as a loving relationship with God, not as a covenant between God and God's people, something that binds them up, but rather as a series of checkboxes that have been enforced largely by men, things that had to be done or else. And all throughout his life and his ministry, Jesus tries to sort of flip this relationship on its head to return to us a sense of the law of love. And this morning, he does that very well in the text. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Not if you want to have a good life, not if you want to be safe, not if you don't ever want anything bad to happen to you. 
He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Meaning that you will want to opt in. You will want to follow, to live according to his path and his code, not because you have to, not because something's gonna punish you, but because of love. Out of our love for him comes a desire to keep the law. Meaning that because we love Jesus, we will want to love God and our neighbors and to figure out a way to live together in peace. Not because we're afraid, but because we love. Jesus goes on in the text from John to say that God, that he will ask God to send us the advocate, the spirit of truth, the one that we call the Holy Spirit. And what's interesting about this image of the Holy Spirit is I think that we often get stuck there. Over generations and over time, we have managed to learn some things about God, but the Holy Spirit is still, for many of us, a, a big mystery. How do we know it? How do we see the Spirit? How do we recognize when the Spirit is at work in the world? I think for many people, this is one of God's greatest mysteries. The text tells us from the beginning of Scripture that the Spirit was present at the beginning of time, blowing and breathing over the waters, and that the Spirit is present throughout the story of God's people, through the unfolding of salvation, comforting and leading God's people in times of joy and in times of sadness. In fact, in two weeks on Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit comes to the disciples, we will hear pieces of this story of the Spirit, that third person of the Trinity. But the image of wind or of presence doesn't tell us anything really concrete. So how do we know what the Holy Spirit is or what she looks like? There are some clues in the gospel today, and the first one comes from a very close reading of the Greek. In English, Jesus says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. The word advocate in Greek is the word paraclete. And this word doesn't describe the spirit, meaning it's not functioning as an adjective. It is the spirit. It's the actual word that John uses in his gospel to identify the spirit of God. So the spirit and the advocate are one and the same. And if you break the word up, para, which means um, next to or alongside, is matched up with kalin, which is the word for call. So this advocate is one who is called to be alongside us, literally to come to our aid. It's also often translated as helper or comforter, but the most common translation and the richest one is advocate. So that gives us somewhere to start. What is an advocate? There's a legal sense of the word. I'm sure if you're a lawyer, you have some legal thoughts about what that word means. But at its core, simply, an advocate is someone who stands up for someone else, who supports, who helps, who intercedes for someone else, who works for justice, who encourages fairness. And this is consistent with our sense of the Holy Spirit, the one sent by God to be with us, to stand up for us, to help us, to comfort us, the one who will never hurt us or leave us or betray us. This advocate is the spirit of truth, who the world does not know, but the text tells you that you can both know and receive because the spirit abides with you. And this spirit is how Jesus promises to come to us, promises that we will not be orphaned, meaning that we won't be left alone because the spirit is coming. But how do we know this advocate? And have we ever seen the spirit 
if you have a smartphone or a device next to you, near you, that you're not using to actually participate in worship this morning, I want to invite you to open up your camera app and press that little button that turns the camera around so that you see yourself. And if you don't have a phone with you, a, a mirror or something else will do. And I want you to look at yourself. There is the spirit. She looks like you. You received the gift of the Holy Spirit at your baptism, and the spirit of truth lives in you. It is what enables you to love. When you are kind and good and loyal and faithful, that is the spirit working in you. The spirit in you is particularly visible when you are an advocate for others, when you follow Jesus's commandments to love and serve, when you stand up for someone, when you comfort them, when you refuse to leave someone alone or comfortless, when you choose the life of the whole flock above your own individual needs, when we aren't able to be and to choose those things, when we sin, when we fail to stand up for justice, when we don't insist on kindness, when we give into thoughts and patterns that hurt ourselves and others, that's just because we're not listening. We aren't following that nudging and the guiding, the helping and the comforting of the spirit that lives in us. And if you think about it, you will find places in your memory where you know from your own experience that this is true because you have experienced God's love and the presence of the spirit when you have received love and support from someone else, when someone stood up for you, when someone comforted you, when someone refused to leave you alone. That was Jesus coming to you in the power of the spirit, living in one of God's beloved. That was Jesus not leaving you comfortless, but sending an advocate inspired by love to help you. In that moment, the spirit looked like that person who stood up for you, who comforted you. And when you do it for someone else, that spirit looks like you. We are not a people ruled by another, and we are not a people ruled by the law, not in the same way as we conceive of law now. We are a people who were meant to be ruled by love. Love of Jesus that inspires every other part of our life. Love that makes us more faithful. Love that lets the spirit love and work through us. Love that wants us to opt in and step up. Love that makes us long for justice and fairness. Love that calls us to come alongside our neighbor. And when we do that, it is love and the spirit that begins to look like you. Amen.